Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. It's the Mitchin Podcast. Hey, what's up and welcome to the Mitchin. We are a weekly food podcast coming to you live and direct from Sydney. I'm home, back in Sydney, my first show back in Sydney after uh, touring the great globe with the greatest musicians of our generation, the Venga Boys. It's good to be back and it's good to be back at an incredible event, an event that I recorded a, uh, we recorded, the Mitchin recorded a live episode at last year, Rootstock Food and Wine Festival in Sydney. Uh, recorded a, a, a podcast that took me about it took me an hour to record it and about f- six to seven hours to edit it. Um, I was quite proud of the of the final product, and then I li- re-listened to it today, and it's a fucking mess. And so a year later, I apologize. I'm back at Rootstock right now, and I'm going to try and recreate that fucking mess <laughs> later tonight. Uh, my name's Andrew Levins, by the way. Without me this week, uh, my co-hosts, uh, Mike Eggett and Mitch Orr, who co-hosted the Rootstock episode last year. Um, Mike Eggett, of course, has Good Luck Pinbone in Kensington that he's opened and he's working out every Sunday. It's fantastic. Uh, you should definitely go eat there. And uh, Mitch Orr, no one's seen Mitch Orr in months. We don't know. He's not been on the podcast. He's not been on the planet. So uh, we continue our search for him. Uh, I was looking for... Just like, you know, any number of people that could potentially introduce co-hosts, you know, give me a little, like a little intro for for the the podcast today. Someone that might know something about Rootstock. Maybe they've been to every single one of the Rootstocks. Maybe they're the three motherfucking co-founders of Rootstock. With me today, I think they've all been on the podcast in some way, shape or form. The co-founders, the three co-founders of Rootstock in Sydney. I got James Hurd. I got Giorgio Di Maria. And I got Mike Benny, all with me in the, in the in the green room of Rootstock right now. Welcome, boys. You don't have to keep you can you can you can you can talk instead of nodding furiously at me. Yeah, hi. <laughs> Thanks for having us here at our own festival. That's Mike Benny. Thanks so much for uh, for for letting your festival be on my podcast. You know what's really great is running a festival, but sitting down for a portion of time talking on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone should do it. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, there could be things on fire out there, but who gives a fuck because I'm on the midget. Uh, so, I mean, if you listened to the podcast last year, you might have a kind of an idea of what Rootstock is. You probably don't. You probably have less of an idea of what Rootstock was after listening to it. But... Uh, do any of you want any of you wanted to give a quick breather of, uh, of of the history of Rootstock as quickly as you can and what what it is and represents? Yeah, I guess um, this is James Heard talking about right now. Uh, five five years ago. We sort of started talking. We wanted to put on a festival that sort of worked with sustainable producers and do something together. Bring together chefs, bring together music, put it all together in a pot, and then maybe not try and make money out of it, but just try and get the word out there in a message. And we sort of 
sat down and we started in a in Leichhardt with a pretty ghetto festival, which producers helped set up, and we've ended up here for four four years. Third year at Carriage Works. Third, third year. Thirty at years. Thirty-five years later, <laughs> and we're still going strong. Yeah, I mean, it, it's an interesting mix of things, and it's 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 changed every year. I mean, the first years were very much focused on, uh, you know, what is natural wine and and the processes and additives that can go into wine and and then peripheral to that but rolled into the festival was a very strong connection to farmers who grow their own stuff and then chefs who work with those sorts of farmers and and uh this year has changed again kind of dramatically and rootstock morphs all the time but we've rolled all of these elements back into the festival and kind of tightened it up but still have that overarching ethos of you know sustainably grown foods sustainably grown produce and then wines that come from farmers, growers, and people who work organic, biodynamically, and then make wine naturally. So it's 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 just more more concentrated this year. It's an interesting festival because it's it feels smaller. We haven't taken out as many of the bays, or the barns section of of carriage works, but it's kind of worked. I think it's it's a more relaxed atmosphere this year than there was last year. With that, with a you had you you used two of the massive bays of carriage works last year. One had food, one had wine. And, uh, yeah, people we were split. Yeah, we sort of just simplified it. We wanted to get conversations going, and last year we were all running around stressing, trying to do stuff, and you can't talk to people. If you bring everyone together, it kind of the most important thing is that we have conversations. And like last year with Garanji Munji, we had some great talks, and this year they're back again. Talk- so that, that for us was the most exciting thing, but maybe people didn't get a chance to talk about it. So that's been a great progression. I like as well that last year we kind of had everything on display so we had a cheese pavilion we had a coffee pavilion we had the indigenous food pavilion but this year all of that is blended into actually the fabric of the festival so indigi earth is here doing indigenous based food products which are uh, cakes and small snacks and they're just here you know we're not trying to make a big show and tell with it all and that tonight's sunday night feast is all about native produce so kangaroo tails cobia fish palm hearts uh, and then native herbs and spices to season all that. cabbage. Yeah. Native to <laughs> all right, so Melbourne. Pump, native pumpkin. Native pumpkin. But anyway, but the idea that it's all been you know brought into the festival rather than displayed is, is kind of thrilling that it's now just inherent to Rootstock Sydney Festival that these things are, are now just fabric of the festival, that mm. we're now working with uh, Bruce Pascoe and his uh, Ewan people clan to, to come here and... and uh, and and celebrate Aboriginal agriculture. It's it, we've done the show and tell. It's now just f- fundamental that this festival has these things integrated into them. And I think that's really important as well. It all sort of matches up. Giorgio has been very eloquent before about uh, you know sustainable growing and how. I haven't, speak, I haven't spoken yet. Yeah, not right now. <laughs> this is the only time he's ever <laughs> spoken. Pretty, on pretty chatty. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so eloquent. So you guys, you know, you, you all have a similar outlook on wine, but they all definitely have different focuses within your interests. I mean, for everyone that dines in Sydney or even buys wine in Australia, um, James can be found uh, buying wine and selling wine at the Dolphin, working for Icebergs, um, and you know, used to be at the Wine Library. I feel like you all had a home at the library at some point. I definitely slept at the wine library before. <laughs> um, I, Giorgio. I uh, haven't slept, but I was there until very late. <laughs> Like uh, to meet the cleaner, <laughs> uh, Giorgio. Uh, importing these days, importing mostly Ital- only Italian wines. Only Italian wines, yeah. I thought a couple of times to go with um, a couple of uh, French producers, but I just my body couldn't handle it. <laughs> uh, Giorgio, also the most impersonated voice on the Mitchin. 
in our year of podcasting so far. Hey, I don't know why you do that so much. It's terrible. You always make fun of me. I know. Fuck you guys. No, I actually don't mind. I actually like it because it's many versions of me. You, Mike Eggert, and you know. I, I'm very good at being Giorgio. Hey. And look, I'm not quite sure what Mike Benny does for work, nor do I ever want to learn. <laughs> Wine writer for every publication that could possibly put wine things in their publications in Australia. The Media Beach. Yeah. Beach. <laughs> I don't even know that. I don't even know that is. <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, how good's festivals? <laughs> <laughs> well, how like you know how how are you? Last time I managed to, I think only spoke to Giorgio and maybe James very fleetingly shoved mic shoving we shoved microphones in people's faces walking through. Rootstock last year. I don't. Even, I think I even saw you, Mike Benny, uh, at any point until until after the festival. You guys to have the three of you relaxing somewhat that, on couches a, that's a, during that's this. That's a great festival. change. Is that we actually a bit more in control? That we've got amazing people helping us um, in the back of house. Mm-hmm. Dan Sims and his crew have been great in sort of facilitating it. We've got a Tallo Disco with um, Morris Dazzini and Giovanni Paradiso, Enrico um, Paradiso, and Marco Ambrosino. So there's just there's, it's just got some good people doing things in the background. Giorgio has been working like a demon, so he hasn't slept, which is probably why he's talking so much. Yeah, but, but you're going to go sleep at Wine Library later tonight, right? Yeah, I go. I meet the cleaner again. <laughs> he's nice actually married see. the cleaner. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's been a year where we've actually been able to see our festival, and I think for the first time in the f- in, in the four episodes of Rootstock Sydney, all of us have been like holy shit, we actually can see the festival. We can go and talk to producers. We can actually uh, integrate ourselves into kind of the culture of the festival and, and, and do what we should be doing, which is getting out there and being amongst human beings that are here. And it's just such a bloody good feeling. Mm. The, main, the main kind of focus of Rootstock is you have an enormous room filled with tables and behind each of those tables are wine producers from all over the world. Um, do you want to tell me some of the notables... That you've well, got here. Notable, I think the big thing you just said there is that the, actually it's the producers behind the table, so it's not a, a fair, a trade fair or anything. It's actually about conversations. So that's one of the first stipulations of Rootstock is the grower, the producers there. No, I think one of the great stories about Rootstock is is this uh, the Georgian wine producers who are here. There's six of them, and last year John Werderman, who's kind of an instigator of Georgia's push into the great, greater world beyond their own country. Uh, joined us at Rootstock Sydney, but he tried to get five other Georgian wine producers with him last year. But our immigration department here in Australia, the fine executive body that it is, decided that the Georgians were most likely going to be economic refugees who would then abscond from Georgia and try and stay here permanently. Well, M- Mike said there is six Georgia, but th- there was two coming into them four, but don't tell me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Along with 7,000 small pills. <laughs> but the, the Georgians were... Organic pills. Yeah. <laughs> cut, Sustainable. Cut, cut, cut. <laughs> <laughs> but the Georgians, yeah, they were, they were deemed economic refugees or potential flight risks. They couldn't come. And so this year we had to fight with strong legal letters to try and get them in. I mean, the irony of that is that they own vineyards, right? They own land. They have generational context for their wine growing and yet couldn't come into Australia to try and show their wares, which they just want to sell fucking booze here, right? Mm. They're not here to abscond from Georgia. But we managed to get them all here this year and it's a, that's, that to me is one of the great successes of Rootstock this year is getting those guys here. Yeah, and I think those are important cultural exchanges where like Mike Benny serves Georgian breakfast, a little drink called cha-cha, which is not an illicit substance if you're over 18 years old, it's like at their grappa. So this morning we sort of had 
a Georgian breakfast for the first time, which I've learned is pretty heady. <laughs> it's, it's only put a glow on my day. So it's called cha cha. What is it? Uh, yeah, it's like a. You said you're like going to give me some later. It's like a mark or a. Yeah, we got a year to go try it, but it's yeah. So it's like a mark, but it's it's a little bit different. So it's a bit. They call it grape vodka. He calls it grape vodka, but it's the way it's made. It's quite differently to a, like a Mardu Bagona, which is like a grappa style. It's a little bit different. So it's a little bit spicier, fruitier. It's delicious. Sixty eight percent. So it's not for the faint hearted, but. I've also really liked, and this is a bit of a revelation as well, is the there's there's three Chilean producers here who all have extraordinary moustaches. Oh my god! That, like yeah, I'll go on record. I don't like facial hair, but I would. I, it's I, magnificent. It's fantastic. But there's but one of the winemakers wears his moustache because generationally all of his parents, Just grandparents, you all, you all have facial hair. <laughs> Thanks for that. <laughs> I, I bet they fake. I think uh, now I go to the room and try to take them off. Yeah, it looks like a fake moustache with it's glasses. Beautiful. They oh look like it's lustrous. Who is that? I had that one bloke that has like the big white moustache. Probably just that's all of So he has a, he has a photo on his wine stall to show you his great great grandfather who has the same moustache, identical. And his grandfather in fact, and father had the same. These are his great-grandfather moustache. Just yeah, reattached. Just <laughs> reattached. But these guys are producing this amazing wine called Pipeño, which is made from Pais grapes, which were planted by Spanish settlers 250 years ago. And they're still producing wines off these 250-year-old vines. And they're young, fresh reds, fermented and bottled within the first year of production. And they're fucking delicious. And there's almost a resistance movement that these old-school producers are... Uh, trying to fight for that people understand this rustic wine style is actually legitimate part of the cultural fabric of Chile and while Chile is an industrial wine producing country these guys down in the very south are producing this amazing fresh vibrant wine style that's been made consecutively for 250 years uh, but has always been demonised as a peasant wine, and it's it's here, you know, like it's the it first time it's tastes as good as those moustaches look. It's well, fantastic. The, the moustaches act as filters. <laughs> Remarkable thing. For me, the best story was um, Ashley from Two Meter Tall be locked in the container last night. It's what? A, it was that, amazing. That, that could be a disaster. What uh, thank, thank to the uh, so basically. What happened for the first time? We had somebody come and steal oyster and cheese in the afternoon. So we have a couple of cool rooms and a container outside. Somebody, yeah. somebody piss bolted down Wilson Street yeah. Red Firm that's with it. 300 oysters yeah. in the box. So then, so then and a we wheel had of all, cheese, which is yeah. a shit combination. Kind of like, that's part, had, that's part had, fucking awesome. Yeah. yeah, I know. So we had to organize. We had to organize. Are you sure locks. it wasn't you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely something I'd be up for. <laughs> so we had to organize locks, uh, you know, to lock all the, the, the container and the cool room. And actually, just went inside to, you know, get restock the kegs. And somebody just locked it into a container. I had locked it. And there was no reception, so he was trying oh, no. to call. Or, and, and thank God, I was walking outside, and, and a lady from the third or fourth floor, and she started to scream, there is somebody in the cool room. <laughs> his, his hands actually bruised, because he said, like, he started banging, and then because it sounds really soundproof and there's a motor, he had no idea whether people would be hearing him outside. Oh, man. Who's that? <laughs> but lucky he's Tasmanian, so he might have probably he probably would have survived at two degrees overnight. He, he makes these sensational um, beer, wild fermented beer, which are incredible, phenomenal producers. And, and he's been working the whole time. He hasn't had a sick. Probably the only time in which wasn't as he stole was where was locked in the container. Two meter tall. Cool, amazing. 
Um, what should I try and do before uh, you know? You got to go. I'm, and chat. Sure, I'm sure you all you all listened to the rambling mess that we recorded last time. Uh, I'd definitely go and talk to the Bornards, and that's an interesting one for us because we actually all coincidentally uh, we crossed paths in um, Arbor a few years ago, and they're amazing people. Mike sort of cooked for them and hung out, so it was nice to see those guys here mm-hmm. and to see two generations of family making pretty different wines, I guess, but pretty truthful wines. I'd definitely check them out. And also, I think C Vintners have got, you know, they've got this wine called Florita or Florecita. Yeah, which I just tried before we came in here. Yeah, Amazing. Casa de Sea wines. Casa de, Casa de, de Sea, yeah, that's the one. Awesome. It's phenomenal. Like nine, 900 metres, like Grenache, I've never tried in Australia. I guess we're not used to Grenache that's 900 metres off slate, so it's a pretty phenomenal wine. And of course, there's the food component of the festival as well. And uh, the big party is tonight. It's Hello Disco and, 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 that, and a, a massive food focus as well. What have we got? What have we got on, on the plates? Cocaine on the pl- on the plates. Cat. Cut, cut. <laughs> cut that <out>. <laughs> <laughs> That's not going in the podcast. <laughs> uh, on on the plates, we've got uh, you know the assortment of chefs. So there's Dave, there's Dave Boyle, um, who's been here for the last two days and the last couple of years, doing a phenomenal thing, working with Annalise Gregory, Duncan Vilgamud. Uh, Velgamud, 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 the guy from Africa, uh, Kludrovic, and the guy who a I've heap spent. of other people Passy. who volunteered, Passy Padnan, who's Legend. possibly uh, the greatest his, human. His work his ethic is fucking insane. Yeah. with a massive smile on his face. He's been staging it um, at Acme for the last few months, right? Yeah, he's yeah. been learning the ropes there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much but the most powerful stage on the planet. <laughs> he's he's been almost school- like anyone who's co- like. Baking bread or pizzas, he's been schooling them on. Amazing, well. fantastic, but gently as well. Yeah. So he just wants to open up like a, like a really high end bakery. Oh, he's he's, he's looking for a site now. Yeah. I'll be the first person banging on the door. But a great group of people and a great group of volunteers, amazing group of volunteers helping them uh, for the last few days. So the food offering is really strong, and we've um, tonight's all all magpie Australian geese, natives. So yeah, magpie geese, cobia fish. Kangaroo tails. Mm, but the magpie, is, so it's a special thing. So Not tin, thing. Special tin of magpie. It's a special tin because it uh, comes in a tin. Uh, no. Like it's, continental. It's a magpie. Yeah, continental, thing. yeah. Continental it's magpie geese. No, no publicity, cut. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. But yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so it's I, great I, to have. I, the thing made, is, now because it's become, it's become such a good recurring joke, I can't cut anything. <laughs> Are we live? <laughs> <laughs> How handsome is Darren Robertson? So sexy. I shook his head and my knees wobbled. <laughs> so one of the, uh, you know, no matter where you go if for, a, for, a, for a wine party, which is what you've done, uh, you'll, you will see people spitting all, co- all colours of the rainbow into spittoons everywhere. And normally that would get tipped into the gutters. But this year you guys are, you know, you're just as sustainable that even the most disgusting ideas can become... Reality. It's amazing. Peter, Peter Bignall, who's here from Belgrove Distillery, he's one of the very few paddock two-bottle distilleries in the world in Tasmania. It makes beautiful spirits at his rustic but amazing distillery down there. He's come up. He gave us kind of the inspiration because he went to his local food and wine festivals and collected all the scraps, breads, vegetables, etc., and distilled that into a kind of vodka. And so we were like, well, we'll have a crack at the spit buckets. And so we enlisted poor Toms from Marrickville through a few conversations who were mad keen for the idea. And um, Pete Belgrove heard about it when he obviously came here and saw the, the kegs with the funnels in them inside the wine tasting. And 
he got a little bit sad that he wasn't asked to do it. So he's he's pretty much been all day over at Poor Tom's in Marrickville, kind of being the you know. Yeah, so it came out of a uh, Pat Pat and him Pat Nurse were having a conversation. It came out of that sort of um, oh, I can't remember how it came up, but I've oh. cut <laughs> cut. Good story, James. Good cha cha. But so yeah, they they turned spat wine into brandy. Yeah. Into a brandy, so effectively they're going to distill everything that's left over in these kegs. And this morning I heard a great quote from Pete because people were concerned that there was you know bits of cheese and some bread bits and all sorts of things that might go into the spit bucket. And he went great, <laughs> well, you know, even more flavour. Sediment, <laughs> sediment, sediment. Yeah, bits of cheese. Half I mean, it, it would be very interesting to see that because uh, um, the interesting part of that would be that. The, the actual enzyme in the saliva is kind of transforming the the sugar and other components on the wine. And um, I actually was speaking with uh, one of the guys just this afternoon when they went to collect the next uh, uh, load of spit. And um, and they said that uh, the spirit that they distilled yesterday tastes very distinctive, very different from brandy. So um, that's that's the most interesting part is to see actually what happened uh, to something in which the saliva and enzyme goes on. So a, a pre-digestion uh, that happens uh, generally yeah, in your mouth. I have no idea what Giorgio just said. I mean, cut. Yeah. cut. <laughs> are you guys likely cut. to... <clears throat> are you guys going to be like potentially like selling that? Yeah, the, the idea ne- is that we... Next year? We, we s- the idea is that we 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 sell the spirit and and uh, reinvest the money back into Rootstock Sydney Festival. That's again. fucking insane. And we, we might it might turn up at Melbourne Food and Wine Festival. I think as a little sneaky cheeky shots behind under the we're, counter. We're hosting the opening party for Melbourne Food and Wine Festival. And is it true that you'll be sliding wine directly into uh, people who come along's mouths should they yeah. wish? Yeah. We also we we also we have a stall at the Chinese New Year market. Yeah, Chinese New Year markets at uh, Carriage works. works. We've kind of got like. Uh, a little bit of, you know... Rootstock pop-ups. Rootstock pop-ups, which sounds weird, because not-for-profit, it's not sensible to do God, not-for-pop-up. Not yeah, not-for-pop-up. <laughs> for pop <laughs> <laughs> but, but we've been roped in. People like the vibe. People like seeing Gior- Giorgio steaming around furious with his brow furrowed. I didn't do that much. And actually. people like James just chilling. Just being <laughs> pretty chill. chill. People like me mouthing off. <laughs> well, if you uh, if you're listening, shout at least once in this podcast, <laughs> fucking shouting. Yeah. If you're listening and you have not been to a rootstock before, um, you should definitely come along. I don't know. Uh, when I grew up, I used to go to music festivals all the time, and uh, it's a similar vibe of just you know people kind of milling about. So it feels like being in a VIP area. There's rumours of people having had sex at rootstocks. Uh, we have interviewed someone who did. Um, on a recent episode of the Mitchell, I'll leave that mystery up to you, dear listener. A rootstock, yeah. Where? In which area? <laughs> it was Mitchell with his hand. <laughs> was it in the cinema? I, I can't. I can't tell too much. Mitchell with a mic in front of my mouth. Mm. Twice in the bathroom. All the info for rootstock can be found online. Rootstock.com.au, please. Root, not not no. rootstock Sydney. Rootstock Sydney. Rootstock Sydney. Rootstock Sydney. And uh, you can call it, of course, on Facebook as well. Individually, you guys are all on Twitter, Instagram, etc. Um, do, do you want to give those little shouts out? Most of you are just by your names. Mike Benny 101. Reshes. Reshes. At Reshes. Reshes ever contact you about that? 
No, I, t- I, g- I grabbed it years ago and they're not getting it back on everything. At Fuck rushes, James Heard. Yeah. Fuck them now, they're CUB. I can't believe they can't drink rushes anymore. What do you mean? I can't follow you anymore because of CUB. What do you mean is that uh, they got the name from you? Exactly. And Giorgio? Uh, Giorgio de Maria. Giorgio underscore de underscore Maria. G- and how do you spell Georgia. How do you spell G? I for G I O G. Um, and uh, Mike and I have a episode of the Mission coming out very soon, which will be recorded in Auckland. Yeah, we're gonna get that audio off a mate of mine. We drank a bunch of shit beers. Yeah, where is it? See fucking kiwi bees. Now I'm gonna hit the floor and uh, and 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 see what conversations can be found. Just That's- just have a good time, Andrew. All right, so I should just turn this thing off and put it back in my bag. Cut. <laughs> Get some cha-cha for sure off the Georgians. Cut. Thank you. All right, I'm out in the open at Rootstock. There's a tallow disco blaring, and I'm with uh, one of the chefs that's uh, in charge of the incredible food offering tonight, the native food offering, regular guest, a one-time guest, once and only except for right now, yeah. Monty Kolodrovich. Fully, fully censored. <laughs> uh, who you might remember from the episode that we recorded very late at night at the Dolphin Hotel. Uh, he's one of the chefs behind the Dolphin Hotel, and of course, Icebergs as well in Sydney. Um, Monty, what have you been working on for tonight? Mate, so uh, we've actually, it's been a, a big team effort. We've had Duncan Velgamoch from Afrikola. One of the best things of this yeah. podcast is going to be hearing how everyone pronounces his last yeah, name. Yeah, well. I think we've had four so far. Yeah, I, I really just like throwing my whole, my whole self behind it. Uh, Annalise Gregory, David Moyle, Passy Patanen, um, whole crew of helpers and assistants from all of the restaurants and the Rootstock crew. So we're just pointing at a sign right now. But you yeah. see caraway and rye flatbreads from Passy. Uh, D Moyle is doing slow-cooked roux tail, which is done over the charcoal in the skin. Uh, Duncan's got this amazing uh, cobia with char-grilled liver koji. What's cobia? It's like a black kingfish. Right. It's an amazing story of, of initiative and sustainability in aquaculture. Look it up. Um, all right, can't. <laughs> and then Duncan's also got a hold of. He's sort of our native guru. We all we all are on our knees to him. Really, in food ways only. And uh, he Duncan to Duncan, yeah. Who the guy who's been in the country the least out of everyone? Yeah, but he's sort of way out in the back of beyond, isn't he? Adelaide. Um, yeah, and he's embraced. He has done really well and embraced the the, the native people and food. Um, so he he's managed to source some pretty special magpie goose. Yeah. Um, and a little bit of stingray. We've got some palm heart and loads of native greens, which have all been supplied, which is really amazing. Um, so I, I was thinking that we might cotoletta or schnitzel some of the magpie goose, which is one of my things. And we've got no stove, so we're just going to heat pans up in the wood oven and then just throw the schnitzel in there and then onto... Like pans a, full of oil in the, in, the, in the hot coals. Not frying, just pan fried. Oh, cool, yep. yeah. Yeah, yeah. That'd be horrendously dangerous. Yeah. <laughs> Deep fryer on coals. Uh, and then a little bit of Dave's leftover aioli from yesterday and we're off. Excellent. Looking forward to it. So what, 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 what does magpie goose taste like? It's, um, it's a bit like beefy uh, livery chicken. It's like a gamey bird. And one that lends itself to being crumbed and fried? Mate, what doesn't lend itself to being crumbed and fried? Touche. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I look forward to smashing it later Excellent. on. Excellent. Good to speak to you. Thanks, Monty. Um, all right, so from food to wine, and uh, one of the many 
wine personalities at Rootstock this year. We have Dan Clark, who uh, is responsible for bringing, at the very least, Radicon. Radicon, Gravner, uh, Foradori, Ariana Roccapinti. The I got a, I got an easy job. <laughs> and uh, what, have you got any wines uh, represented today at Rootstock? We do. We've got Foradori from uh, Trentino, so northern northern Italy, the Dolmiti, and we're lucky to have Mirta Foradori here presenting the wines. Yeah, absolutely. Amazing. And how many years have you been coming to Rootstock? Uh, I was here at the first one. Yeah, yeah. I was here at uh, Ground Zero, and it's grown incredibly and. Everyone's taking it on. Everyone's got the right attitude. So, yeah, I'm pretty lucky to, to, to be here from the start, yeah. And what are your thoughts, Re, um, the reusing of the spittooned wine to make it into brandy? Does that tickle your fancy? or I've seen some people do some horrible things in those <laughs> recycled bins, if that's what you want to call it. I'm, yeah, I'm optimistic that uh, it, it could taste good, but it could go either way. So, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Would, would, if, if, it's, if it's a success... Would you like see a future in you requesting that the uh, Radicon oh. be spat in its own vat that you uh, could then absolutely. turn into its own brandy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A single, Brand- a single, single origin bin. <laughs> I love it. I love the thought of that. It's terrific. Absolutely. Um, and uh, besides the uh, the wines that you're involved with, is there anything here today that you would uh, that you've tried that you haven't uh, discovered before that you would recommend? Oh, there's there's plenty of things in there that are really good. Young guys doing some incredibly. Um, you know, brave and uh, and great things. Absolutely, uh, I think the room's full of them. And congratulations, there's one there. There's Dane from Memento Mori Wines doing doing some great stuff. Awesome. Cheers. Thanks so much, Dan. Thanks, Appreciate brother. It. Have a good night. Holy shit! It's Mike Eggett. Hi, Levens. How are you? Good. Are you just come come from work at Pinbone? I did come to working at Pinbone, and we are now at Rootstock in the Hall of Legends. Yeah, I'm aware that I'm at Rootstock. I've been here for an hour. Yeah, but the they- people didn't know that. Because <laughs> before I started talking, no one was listening to this podcast. So, everyone, Mike Eggett is going to be my co-host for the rest of the uh, show, and uh, w- James Hurd is here again. G'day, boys. How are you going? I'm great, mate. Hi, Thank James. you so much. The first time... John Ockrow's wines came to the country. Um, we listed them straight away. He's a producer I've wanted to have in the, you know, to taste for many years. I've heard about him, heard about him in New York through Alice Firing, a lot of writers. So it's, it's really exciting to have him here. And he's, you know, to me makes it's pretty hard to in, in a podcast talk about eight thousand years of Georgian winemaking. But you're on the spot, John Ockrow. Tell us about Georgia. Hello, guys. Uh, well, I'm John Ockrow, producer of Ockrow's wines. Well, I come from Georgia. Actually, I was born in Georgia. Well, to be honest, I uh, just served a totally different field. I play mobile communications, computer networks all across the world. But uh, since 2004, I started the winemaking. Uh, that's my passion. That's the, just a hobby that what I do and love to do. Uh, this is my first time in Australia. Actually, I tried to come here the last year, but I, unfortunately, I had some visa problems. Some Australian immigration bureau just gave me a visa. At the last moment, I couldn't really make the trip anymore that was really really late so have you got a me- have you got a message for australian immigration that you want, them, want well, to pass on don't hate georgians just <laughs> just consider them <laughs> who should they hate instead uh, the people from new zealand i think it goes back to like <laughs> willie nelson or someone like that from marijuana days they thought it was georgia maybe it could be a fact john can i ask a question uh how does georgian wine differ or how does it become like how is it uh, define itself compared to say the French and the Italian wines because it is a very distinct style of wine and it, it has the oldest culture in wine yeah yeah well according to archaeologists actually uh, they found about 8,000 years old pips 
Uh, so apparently, well, they've been cultivated pips of the grapes. So it looks like at our place, some people were cultivating the grapes and making a wine. So which is quite important. And to be honest with myself, I, you know, um, I think uh, the winemaking is in the blood of every Georgian. Just it's waiting for the right moment to get, and you start the winemaking because it's becoming your passion. So what I think is uh, Georgia has like uh, 525 uh, endemic varieties actually, which wow. are really unique. It's amazing. Uh, so uh, that's supposed to be different, totally different. And uh, lately, last uh, like uh, five, six years, they're performing really well, like organic, or organically grown varieties. And uh, well, to be honest, uh, they are quite big factories. Actually, they sell loads of wine towards Russia and the Ukraine, millions of bottles. But that's a commercial wine. It's not organic at all. So lately, more and more uh, people are trying to make some organic wine, and it is really important for us as well. So with 8,000 years of history, how is it that you make the best wine in Georgia? <laughs> how come no one else is as good as you? No, of course they are good, but the thing is, actually, the wine is uh, like uh, everyday table part, the, the, the culture. So uh, there are some uh, winemakers, actually, the families, the small families, people actually make the wines, the basements of the apartments, really, in the capital. So it's really important, but uh, probably you, whenever you go to Georgia, the first thing they do, whenever you go to someone's house, they put the table and they put big jar or full of wine, actually, their, their own make wine. So. so it's more about lifestyle than making money and all that. Exactly, right. exactly. So they do not sell it. They just make it for their own, uh, like consuming, like, you know, uh, the Georgians, we consume loads of wine uh, during the feasting. Like, you know, it's part of the table. There's nothing happening without the wine. So that's, that's, that's it. And how is it working with Tim Stock? Do you like Tim? Oh, yeah. He's a man. Sexy. He, he actually did really great job uh, because, um, Australia is a wine country too. I mean, you, you know, like you, you have loads of wine, and uh, it is uh, always important whenever you're entering the market, uh, the country you uh, has a wine. So that was uh, a bit risky, to be honest, but uh, that's amazing job because uh, Georgian organic wine has a really positive feedback and a really positive trend at the Australian market, which I'm amazed of, really. So. Thanks to Tim Stock. Tim Stock coming in live. This is, this is my third favorite stock behind Root and Chicken. <laughs> Tim? Tim Stock. Root Stock Brothers, how are you? Good, we're just talking all things Georgian wine. Oh, fantastic. You know nothing about that, right? No, 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 no. I'm still very new to it. It's very raw for me, very exciting still. So what what drove you to bring in six six or seven uh, six, producers? We, we now have 20. We work with 20 of the 65 natural producers that are actually bottling in Georgia. Amazing. So what drove me, look, um, part of the story, but it's really the wines and the people themselves. Yep. Um, it's been a, a very, you know, sort of rapid journey, but it's been an extraordinary journey, and everyone's been incredibly generous with their time and in introducing me to the right people. So it's it's been able to fast-track us. So it's got nothing to do with the economy or the fact you're making heaps more money than French wines and all that? or uh, Making money out of Georgian wine. That's something I never thought about yet. <laughs> Let's hope the day comes. <laughs> so um, a lot of people have brought up the uh, immigration issues. What, what, what did we miss out on because of immigration? What didn't we get? What's the? Well, th this year we were fortunate enough to go up to the ministerial level and the Georgian government who negotiated with our Australian ambassador... Uh, in 
um, in Turkey, which is where the visas are processed, and managed to um, managed to get a vouch. So he got a vouch from the Georgian government for these people. So, really? so if these guys don't go home, yep. it's on the Georgian government. <laughs> so you guys are officially rock stars of like Georgia. Well, considered that way. It seems that way. Why are there problems? I don't understand. I think it's just straight out uh, paranoia from our immigration department. If they don't know the area of the world, they're, they're deeply paranoid about it. I think, I think we see that in our media coverage every day. So in closing, Georgian wine is the best. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Why not roots off? Now, I'm not sure John and I can objectively comment about that, but, but from our feedback, yes. <laughs> most, definitely the most interesting. Thanks so much, guys. Um, and, and if anyone wants to buy some Georgian wine, Tim, where would you recommend us? So if they, they just get in touch with us, um, uh, venus.com.au, then we can steer them uh, to where they need to go. Easy, easy. Okay, we've got a real tearaway here. James, who are we talking to? It's one of the most mellow people I've ever met, actually. <laughs> She's shy, a little bit shy, but it's uh, Laura from Domaine de la Pint. Hello. How are you going? Are you well? It's Pant, actually. Domaine la Pant? Yes, Domaine la Pant. So, we're, we're, this year we've got a few Jura producers. What's so special about the Jura? Like, to me, it's my, is my favourite place to drink in the world. What do you love about it? Uh, I think it is a very special region, if it, in, indeed, because uh, we have a very special uh, uh, terroir, very special uh, varieties of grape, which you can find only in this area. Yep. Uh, for example, Pulsar, Trousseau. Savagnin, Melon à queue rouge. Uh, so it is unique and uh, we have uh, very energetic wines, I think. Yeah, yeah. So we, Mike and I and Giorgio visited you a couple of years ago in, uh, in Abois. Can you give us a little impersonation of Giorgio de Maria? Can you do his accent? Can you do an Italian accent like, Hi, I'm Giorgio. And my friend. <laughs> ciao. Ciao, ciao. <laughs> Pretty good. Giorgio. So, why, why, why don't you bother coming out to things like Rootstock, Sydney? Why are you here? Do you like it? Have you had fun? Has it been worthwhile? Uh, why I came in uh, Sydney today? Uh, because um, so uh, we, we start to, to work in Australia. Uh, like, uh, you know, uh, it was very fast. It was uh, 
uh, very new for us. Um, so we are glad to, to share in the other part of the world our wines because, for example, in Jura it was very difficult to 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 grow our wine and people didn't understand those wines for years and years and years and for 10 years there is a very good dynamic in Jura with organic and biodynamic way so we, we are working in biodynamic way since 2009 we felt the, the, the interest of the people all around the world and it is, it is very pleasant to share with uh, other people Can you tell us uh, a little bit about your vineyard and why it's so special and why the wines are special because of the vineyard? Alors, um, so Domaine de la Pinte is a small hill, uh, so it is the name first of the place. Uh, so the real name is La Pinte à la Capitaine. Uh, so this Lieudy is a, a very special terroir. Uh, we have a lot of blue marle. Uh, the Savagnin especially uh, affects this this kind of soil and um, yes I think so Domaine de la Pente start uh, to produce wine in uh, the 50s uh, it is a family estate and uh, this soil was perfect for Savagnin and the crazy story is the winery start with eight, uh, 13 hectares of Savagnin that's it there was not other grape it was the unique grape so it was a, a, a a little bit crazy to start with only one grape. <laughs> one of the one of the most uh, famous wines from the Jura is Vangeau. And today, like, there's a very classical pairing, which is Comte, which is a cheese from the same region, and Vangeau. And that's the one everyone knocks out. But today you gave me a taste of a pretty different pairing. It was a 1986 Vangeau with some Wapengo oysters. One of the best things I've ever eaten. Is that something pretty common? Have you drunk that a lot? Is that something people do? No, it's... It so it is not very usual but I think it, it is it's matching amazing. a lot uh, this pairing um, for me it's also a very nice pairing yeah, amazing uh, because uh, so the Jura was this ocean before and we have a lot of saltiness in the wines and you can feel this even in the red wines and so the vin jaune has this saltiness this freshness which match, uh, match a lot with uh, seafood and fish Oyster, especially. Beautiful. Awesome. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you so much. All right, Mitch and listeners, we've now got a, a special message from a very, very old friend of mine. Andy Campion is his name. And he is responsible today for the least alcoholic beverage that everybody... It's the fucking talk of the... It's the talk of the town. He's and the designated driver's best friend. <laughs> <laughs> it's a perfect adjunct to what's happening today. And when there's conviviality... There is also Motor Sparkling Water. So Andy runs Motor Sparkling Water. And uh, I'm into this because I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a SodaStream user at home. And I just found out that SodaStream waters... SodaStream apparently supports, like, war in Palestine. <laughs> They're headquartered on the West Bank. Look, look, uh, up, better Scar- or worse. look up Scarlett, Johan- Scarlett Johansson uh, SodaStream and just open up your mind and, and learn something about the world, Mike Eggett. But, uh, so, Andy, you offer some incredible uh, alternatives to sparkling water in Sydney, which is, uh, you know, it's my go-to first beverage when I sit down at a a restaurant. Absolutely, the pretext. But there's an important side to this in that uh, we're doing the very important job of reducing food miles and disposable waste. 
and tuning into the idio- you know idiocracy that uh, that has been bottled water for so long. Um, but yeah, also uh, complimenting great meals, great wines, and um, as I said, conviviality all round. So you're the first person to say conviviality not once but twice on this podcast. <laughs> um, so yeah, Moda, you guys do like like. You hook onto the tap and it's like a sparkling water system for yeah, restaurants, right? Yeah, the core pursuit is around localising. So there's those obvious environmental advantages, but also uh, a fantastic product. And unlike the soda stream you were talking about a minute ago, a very pure, tight bead sparkling water. And what are your thoughts on the on the war in Palestine? <laughs> <laughs> is it still going? Which petrochemical mine do you get your soda bubbles from? <laughs> No, we don't. We use glass, reusable glass all the way. Well, Andy, thank you so much for talking to us on Motor. Thanks very much. Thanks for keeping us sober. (laughs) Righto. Cheers, guys. James, who are we talking to? Uh, Taro Sakoda from Mercado Barrels. He's one of my favourite humans on the planet. Uh, You're a lovely man, James. Is it it true you're Dave Moyle's father? Yes, yes. We we were separated at birth. And, uh, I mean, obviously he's the good-looking one, but uh, I've got the brains. You've yeah. definitely aged better than him. He looks about 60, and you look 30. Well, it's all about, uh, you know, um, what's the word? Pickling yourself, I think, is uh, part of my secret. You've and been brought up on the podcast recently as a uh, as an avid McDonald's fan. Uh, yes. Uh, not sure what that means, but yeah, I love a, love a <laughs> cheeseburger, for sure, mate. Yeah. And uh, your wines, Dakota Barrels. Yes. What would you, you know, what, what McDonald's meal would you pair best with each of your wines? Uh, quarter pound of uh, meal deal, Coke, medium fries, but heaps of salt and sauce, you know, ketchup, for sure. Tell uh, us about a coat of barrels. Uh, well, it's uh, my wife and I, Amber, and uh, we, you know, just have a little winery in Basket Range and uh, try to make wines that are quite delicious and pure and, you know, no no fancy pants stuff about them just stuff that you know hopefully empty bottles quickly and uh, get people lubricated and dancing that's the idea would you say that you're the reason the basket ranges is so good no not at all not at all i'd, I'd probably bring it down i think you know yeah no, I'd, I'd definitely give credit to the others for sure so who else should we look out for from your little neighbourhood in the basket range? Because it's a pretty cool little area. Oh, well, e- every single one of them. So Where is Basket, basket Range? We uh, you know, know, have the, you know, the, the lovely Gareth Bilton, gentlefolk, and uh, James from Yalma, uh, Anton uh, from Lucy Marco. Then we have a couple of others you probably don't know about, um, like Manon Wines, yep. uh, Timmy, yeah, Timmy Monique. And, and Monique. We just had a baby. Woo! Yeah, yeah, little Felix. Uh, but then there's other little cats, like uh, actually Basket Range wines. They're sort of the, the the granddaddies of the place. And there's a chick called Charlotte Dalton. She's you know doing some cool things. And yeah, there's a you know lots of cool little cats. And it's a it's a lovely little community. It's probably one of the nicest places in Australia. Uh, it's fantastic. It's uh, you know little babbling brooks and trees and windy roads and. Uh, we all live quite close together, so um, it's, uh, you know, quite easy to uh, go visit each other and drink 17 bottles of wine and then zip home. And how do you guys keep it so, uh, like, clean and biodynamic when Duncan lives in the same state as you? Uh, we don't let him in at all. Yeah, no, we keep him out. Uh, you know, very randomly we'll bring him in. Uh, he's often cuffed so and on uh, your has, bottles, a, has a gimp mask on. Can we now say no sulfur, no Duncan? 
no, so yes, yes, that, that, that'd be fine. Yeah, yeah, that's right. But he is the Dark Lord. Uh, he is the Dark Lord of Adelaide, and so uh, he, he, there is a presence, even if he's not physically there. He's there. You know, we we did an episode in Adelaide with Duncan recently, and uh, I met Mickey D. Uh, Mickey D. He's he's probably one of the most wonderful winemakers in South Australia. I'd also, say. happens to be easily the worst guest on the Mission of all time. The worst what? <laughs> guest. Okay, right, well, because uh, uh, he was pretty spastic when you spoke to him, I think. It's Is that very true? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good, no, good on you, Michael. Yeah, well done. <laughs> Is he normally not like that? Uh, 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 no comment. No, yeah, 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 yeah. Go back and listen to the Adelaide episode if you don't know what we're talking about. Um, thanks so much for uh, talking with us today. Uh, excellent. Has Pleasure. there been any particular wines that you've uh, found on the floor at Rootstock today that you've been a fan of? Uh, there was that cha-cha stuff from Georgia. My God, that fixed my hangover. Of it. So good. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's like a medicine. Medicine. I love you, Taris. You're the best. You're so beautiful. I, l- I love you too, Tommy Sausage. So we've got Tom. Bye, Tom. Is that sure, bro? Yeah. He's a legend. Thanks, bro. Fantastic. Cheers. Okay, and now I'm outside, away from the extremely loud music. It's, it's turned into a party at Rootstock, and... Uh, as someone that often has to party, some would say too much, I've, I've, I've exited this, this party. And uh, we're in the, uh, the comms, the chill-out zone, the VIP area, if you will. How could it be VIP when there's no alcohol? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I feel like maybe, like, yeah, if, if you're at an alcohol festival, the VIP is it's, it's beyond alcohol, you know? All oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> I'll try to think about that. Uh, so with me right now, I have uh, past guests of the Mitchin from Living Wines and Food Tourist, Roger McShane and Sue Dyson. Good evening. Hi, Levens. Nice it. to be back again. Yeah, I know. It's like, nice very to, nice to be back. Didn't have to travel to Tasmania to talk to you again. It was fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you guys actually saw me on Friday night um, at the front of uh, one of Sydney's great pubs, it, uh, uh, the Shakespeare yes, Hotel. The Shakespeare Hotel. Um, great, that was a great, great revelation venue. for yeah. us. Yeah. On, on, on your way to uh, Pinbone. Good luck, Pinbone. Mike's new venture. We, so good. You liked it? Oh, very yes. much so. Yes. I don't want to tell him that, but I can tell Gemma. <laughs> It was and Barry. It was really, really good. It's so but good. Apparently, isn't it? Barry sent a message into the kitchen saying that if um, don't give them too much, or they won't come back. And that was our saving grace. <laughs> you told you told Barry that, or no? Barry told Mike. Right. Yeah. If but you give them too much, they won't come back. So I went to everyone who's listening. If you haven't been. In, if you're in Sydney and you haven't not been to Good Luck Pinbone, it is Mike Eggett, regular guest on the shows, uh, you know, but Pin, go anyway. and, and Gemma from Pinbone and, and Barry, who, they were on, on, on recently. Uh, they've, they've opened Good Luck Pinbone in Kensington. And they're it amazing,ly is, generous hosts. They are yep. on the walks. You know, you go in the kitchen, that's all there is. Oh, there's the there's two walks and, and steamers. And such good walks. And a rice and cooker, that's it. The walks look like the walks you'd see in Asia, not in Australia. So st- powerful. Yeah, and the, the, the menu's amazing. I know I've, I've eaten every single dish on the menu in <laughs> one sitting because Mike is the worst and the best at, at, at both times. Uh, I, I left crippled. <laughs> so it's good to hear you guys are, are still standing. I know, uh, it was a great treat. But yeah. forget all of this uh, this booze, This sorry, this food talk. we got, we got to talk about the booze. Yeah, you, got, you guys are at Rootstock. You've been here every year since Rootstock began. Yes, absolutely. Um, and uh, you guys are champions of any, any wine festival with a natural and yes. organic, sustainable focus. Mm-hmm. Which is exactly what Rootstock is. Uh, each year, you bring out unbelievably beautiful French people to uh, we showcase in lovely French women <laughs> <laughs> who make lovely French wines. Indeed. And so, who did you bring out this week? Uh, this, so this, this time year. we had the Bonnard family, Philippe Bonnard, who a lot of people will recognise his wines because we've imported them for about six years. 
uh, the, it's a white wine with an f- orange fox on the label. Mm-hmm. And excitedly, this time we also scored a T-shirt. So we now have a fox T-shirt. It's not just a T-shirt. You guys have like polos. You guys, yeah, it's like they're very legitimate. Very you, yeah. <laughs> Most people didn't want to try the wines. They just wanted to know how they could get a T-shirt. <laughs> but the wines I think we're importing the wrong thing. You know, we, 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 last time we spoke in our episode, we talked about salty wines. And these were the epitome of what you, you know, that, that, that dream saltine kind of wine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah well, the, 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 uh, the whole thing about the Jura is the soil there is marl, which also has a high level of uh, limestone, oh, sorry, calcium carbonate in it. So you've got this incredibly fine sand and then this uh, binding uh, calcium carbonate. And you get, so you get this salty sensation from the, uh, the, the uh, minerals in those rocks. And, and, they, and they work so hard in the vineyard. Yeah. In, and it's the organic viticulture that then gets those, the salts in those minerals into the grapes. And you taste it, don't you? And you tried the wines. They yeah, are so phenomenal. salty like, in, an ama- yeah. in, a, in a perfectly delicious way. And so I, 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 I came off like a real dickhead at one point, And everyone, put, everyone called me out for it. Because <laughs> uh, I was given the red wines first. And then you get the whites towards the end of That's the tasting, and I was and I was like, "Oh, you, you guys, it's really cool to do it backwards." <laughs> and Sue corrected me and said, "No, this is how they do it." In, it wasn't uh, backwards; it was forwards. <laughs> <laughs> so, where, where are the where do the reds come first? What dis, what, what area of the, for, from the Jura in um, in France? It's on the western side of the Jura. Think about. Uh, where Geneva is and then go northwest and you go over the Jura Mountains and into the Jura region. So it's, it's very close to the Swiss border. Sure. Uh, uh, so that's the Jura and that's uh, a much older geological area. And um, But it's only one hour west of Burgundy and so many Australians go to Burgundy quite often but they never think to hop in a car and drive the one hour to the Jura, although more and more uh, people are. But, but the reason why you drink the red wines first is because the red wines are very light. The grapes are Plusard and Trousseau, or it depend, you go for, to a village 20 kilometres away and it's Pulsard, but it's the same grape. Mm-hmm. So Plusard slash Pulsard, Trousseau and Pinot Noir are the three red grapes. And of those three, Pinot Noir is the biggest, like... <laughs> In Australia, Pinot Noir is considered a light, a lighter grape, yep. and these are lighter than Pinot, the other two. Sure. And they just don't. If you drink the white wines, if you drink the white wines first, you get to these very powerful oxidative wines that the Jura is famous for. And after you have those wines, you just cannot drink the red wines. You've got the flavour of the white wine is too strong, so you always have the red wines first. And there was that small amount of oxidisation in, in the reds as well, like that slight fizz mm. to it. Mm that the whites didn't have. That's yeah. right. It, it, um, it's more carbon dioxide, just mm. that nice spritz. That, mm. It's a spritz without bubbles. Uh, are you... Because for me, like, they were easily some of the best wines that I had today at, at Rootstock. I really liked those. I really liked the uh, St. Iago wines from uh, the Georgian region mm-hmm. that were on the show. And then I... I, I should learn the name of it. I think we mentioned it earlier in the podcast, but they're the, the uh, Chilean wines oh, by yes. the... Uh, yeah, some of the Chilean wines. That, the guy good. with the beautiful moustache. Yep, yep. <laughs> that, <laughs> that ori- a, the orange he had an offer mm, was out yep. of this world. Just such a wonderful opportunity to have all of those Georgian producers there and such a big delegation from Chile, Chile to give people a real, like a masterclass at the tasting. 
Mm. Yeah. You, you you were saying that because we mentioned earlier that the, uh, the the Georgians had such a problem getting into Australia. Oh, so apparently, so did the Chileans as well. That they they the cloudy they, the customs people were very worried about why the wines were cloudy, and apparently there was some talk that the, 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 they were worried that they had cocaine in the bottom of the bottles, <laughs> like they were using the wine bottles to smuggle cocaine. <laughs> Knowing that this is the Mitchin, a, a <laughs> podcast that you are allowed to swear as much as you like, uh, what word would you use to describe Australian immigration as a wine importer? <laughs> I don't think I want to say. Because <laughs> fuck, it is. It's we have to baffling. deal with them. I don't think I want to insult them publicly. <laughs> yeah. We're now, dependent on their goodwill. That's the problem. There was recently an it's article. Like these security people here, you have to be nice to them. No, I wasn't allowed outside <laughs> with a <the> water. <laughs> Uh, yeah, some VIP. I wasn't is. allowed outside with the spritz. <laughs> so I said to the security man, you mean you want me to drink faster? Is that what this is all about? So I can get outside where I want to be? It's just insane. So there was an article recently in Sydney um, from a, a publication I used to work for called 2000. And uh, the uh, writer who replaced my, me, Claire Finneran, is a great writer, she wrote a piece about Barangaroo, which oh, is yeah. the uh, new kind of retail mm. space opening in the surrounds of the new Barangaroo Casino, yep. about how... Every single week, she gets invited to a new opening, a new event in that space. And as someone connected to the art scene, it's the last thing that she wants to go to. But you can only ignore so many invitations until you're like, okay, I've got to go check this out. So she wrote what she describes as like a feel opinion piece of like, it's not necessarily an article, but it is about her responding to the area she's in. And one of the biggest things that I took away from it that I'm going to be talking on the Mitchin in the upcoming weeks is whether or not food is a cultural experience. Because I don't know if, I mean, you guys are in, in Hobart and it's quite different there than it is here, but there are, and this is no slight, you know, I, I love the food world, I love everyone in the food world, but lots of, you know, there's an endless list of, of, of clubs and live venues that have closed, theatres that aren't in business anymore, but the push seems to be on like these daytime food pop-ups of like you know come have a burger and take an Instagram of yourself having a burger that's become the norm for a cultural experience and so within this article this this story that Claire wrote in which she you know basically reacted to being in this Barangaroo space she suggested that you know like Sydney really needs to stop treating food not food specifically like but like all like you know every different kind of food experience as a cultural experience how does that make you guys feel how would you respond to that yeah i don't know i think it's good that people think that food is important because you um you see in europe that food is so much integrated into people's lives whereas traditionally in australia food until recently food has been fuel yep. so i think what's happening is we're just going through this adolescent phase of hopefully getting to a point where the valuing of of food and wine as part of life is something that becomes more common but at the moment it's this desire to uh, take the photograph of the the latest burger and it's freak burger at that yeah. like a, like a 10 those, story high those things that I've seen that come out of glass jars that <laughs> masquerade as drinks that is the stuff that really scares me Freak shakes. Yeah. But yeah. for things like this event where you've got people yeah. have put so much thought into the connection between the food and the wine, 
uh, as we were eating the Wapana oysters with the Jura, with, the, with those white wines and the Jura, that's such a perfect moment that it's beautiful in the same way as listening to a beautiful piece of music or being inspired by a piece of art. So there is something highly cultural about it. For sure. I mean, that's why I brought it up because mm. rootstock is absolutely how you treat food as, co- as a cultural experience. It's, mm. it, it is an opportunity to kind of indulge in the new and, and, and the, the things you love, especially if you happen to love natural wines and, and, uh, and, and, and native foods. But there is, there's far more of a connection to where these food and where this drink came yeah. from than there are in like a, you know, like a, a burger pop-up or, a, you know, and I love, I love cheeseburgers, but... <laughs> But, but, but if you compare it to, say, music, which you're... Which we're escaping in. right now by standing outside <laughs> yeah. and recording this here. Exactly. <laughs> but you know, it, it is possible to have a series of cultural experiences and you could go to a Baroque concert one night and a rock concert the next night and a folk concert the next night and, and feel that you were having uh, wonderful experiences provided they were great uh, music events. Um, and equally, you can jump from one uh, food culture to another and have interesting experiences. But if all you're doing is jumping from one to another over a long period of time, uh, you, perhaps you're not getting the most satisfying of, of cultural experiences. And there is a lot of that. Australia um, does that a lot, where you just pick and choose on different days what you're going to eat and which culture you're going to deeply immerse yourself in because you're having a, uh, you know, an injera one night or uh, a Thai meal the next night, etc. So th- th- One of those is significantly easier to get than the other. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, so no, no, it's a complex thing, but I, I don't think Australia has a deep food culture at the moment. Um, but, but events like this are fantastic at trying to change that. I just like the mm. fact that a lot of events, the food is an afterthought and it's who you can get to turn up in a food van to Totally, it won't cost you any money. Completely yeah, exactly. disconnected from the event. But so much work goes into choosing the food experiences here. And it's been slightly different every year and I've really enjoyed it this year because it's been fairly low-key but... Everything is, you feel a very strong connection with the wine. Absolutely. Yeah, but, but the, the alternative to that is uh, you can become stifled in your culture too. So, like, if you go to some Italian villages or a Corsican village, um, each dish will be codified to such an extent that they regard the village four kilometres away as savages because they use ingredient X in a particular dish, whereas they don't use that particular ingredient. So, you know, you can become quite stultified in that cultural experience as well. And the freedom we have to allow something like Pinbone, good luck Pinbone, to exist is a really good example where there are no rules. That part of it's fantastic. But the music there is fantastic. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> is it? I wonder who did the playlist. I, I, I love the music. I wonder what, where that came from. <laughs> I did Do the music for Pinburn. <laughs> <laughs> well, Roger and Sue, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, no matter what state I'm in at the time, be it uh, Tasmania or drunk. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we'll have to go and round up the 
Bonard family and see what they're doing at the moment. So it, can I can I order these Bonard wines? You certainly can. You certainly can. There's about thirty of each bottle left. Oh, I'm I'm actually going to do that for Christmas <laughs> this year. That's that 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 that's because it's perfect summer drinking. I know it's so the salinity and the it's so good with oysters and shellfish and, and all ham. those things that, and ham <laughs> <laughs> channel the salt <laughs> um, what is uh, the website for those uh, of us who uh, livingwines.com.au is our restaurant is our wine website and fooddurist.com is where to eat it <laughs> yeah that's right drink. or at fooddurist on Instagram at fooddurist on Instagram have you, uh, have you Instagrammed any, did you Instagram any photos from Pinball the other night yeah, yeah. They set the lighting so bloody awful. You obviously didn't do that. <laughs> so, you know, I have a, uh, my, I used to have a restaurant and we had a negative review on, uh, as in like overall, we had like an average to negative uh, review on, um, on Yelp and eatability because of the lighting. So, I'd be like, the reviews would be like, the food was great, but I couldn't take any photos of it. Exactly, Three that's stars. What I was <laughs> Thanks, Sydney. <laughs> Thanks so much, Roger and Shane, for joining us again. <laughs> okay. I'm going to uh, I'm going to be in Tasmania again in February, so we'll catch up with you guys again. Catch up okay. with you then. Look forward <laughs> to it. Yeah. Okay. Bye. Yeah. We are live. We are live. We are, we are live from the worst after party in the history of after parties, Mike hosted e- by Shannon Debrasini. Mike Eggett. Mike Eggett. Tell me what's going on. Mike Eggett. Tell- fucking shit. Uh, we just got shuffled upstairs like concentration camp and Frank Wannabes. So we had Rockpool in Sydney. There's like, Cut. we're a wine festival without wine, so it's just a festival. It's a festival of night time. The festival of Shed, the festival of Duncan. Hi, Duncan. Hi, mine Fuhrer and Neil Perry isn't with us tonight. <laughs> He's grooming the ponytail. Dazzo, what do you got to say? This is the best party I've ever been to in my life. It's amazing. Darren Robinson is here. Keep in mind, he lives in Byron Bay. I've been out for about 11 months. (laughs) This is amazing to me. This is what you guys go up to, is it? Shaz, you just got through with a handjob in the dark from someone. How was it? It was amazing. Best handjob I've ever had. But seriously, they need to turn the lights on because this is fucking So we are currently upstairs at Carriage Works in pitch black, uh, I guess waiting for all of licensing to leave so we can go back downstairs and party. It's literally darker than Giorgio's heart. It's, it's, it's terrible. Listen, the, the, Roger are beatboxing. It's, uh, it's, it's very interesting. What you hear can, around can us is people quick, screaming. Can we get a quick word from Roger from Living Lines? What do you think of the after party, Rog? Uh, I'm really enjoying it. It's just so exciting. Uh, an empty glass. Uh, Sue, can we get a quick comment on the after party? What, the, the darkness and the no, gla- no wine in the glass party? Hey, Gemma, is, is living with Mike any funnier than doing a podcast with him? It can't get any funnier, I don't think. Thank you very much. I couldn't get him to swear, but they were looking like they wanted to say fuck. So there's about 200 people upstairs in this dark room. We're waiting for something to happen. Banjo Harris planes. Uh, it's so funny his because everybody pants are split and his dick is out. Everybody else is standing around patiently waiting for booze. Shannon Debrasini has got naked and oiled up in preparation for a said orgy. Shannon from uh, LP's Quality Meats. Oh yeah, yoga meats. Is it true that you're going to uh, be making sausages for everyone tonight? Uh, I'd, l- I'd really like to be making sausages, but no, it's not, uh, unfortunately it's not going to happen. But, but we may do some yoga moves. Tom Shobrick trying to start a conga line. Um, I think it's a cultural uh, appropriation gone wrong. Tom Shobrick just got in trouble for stamping. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, <laughs> Anton's asking if that conga line was sulfur-free. 
um, and they're busy talking about it right now. Is, is there a, a fair like link here to Mike Baird and the worst after party of all time? We could definitely draw. Is this party somehow Mike Baird's fault? I think it's Mike Baird's fault. Yeah, 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 it is. He's definitely the worst cunt in New South Wales. He does take it up the old highway. Don't say cunt. We're the mission. We say cunt constantly. We say cunt cunt constantly. We don't swear. It's it's not PC. We swear all the time. All right. We're busy checking out women for Shannon. This is literally the funniest thing I've seen for a long time. And, and how great that we could bring you the audio of it. Yeah, <laughs> it's dark again. The lights are back, Al. I think one of the three blue ducks are touching my penis right now. I can hear that, but the highlight is when we turn the lights off, that seems to be the highlight. Yeah. <laughs> this like promote three blue ducks. <laughs> Seven days of eat, breakfast, lunch, dinner. <laughs> if you feel like you're having like missing out from the worst after party, head to the three blue ducks and you'll know what we're happening. I just feel a bit guilty. Charles Young, Charles Young was behind us. Oh, Charles Young, incredibly disappointed. Charles Young refuses to talk to us today. This is actually bizarre. What's going on right now? Just a bunch of people cheering and and, and stamping their feet in, in, in the darkness. We have Charles Young. Charles Young. Charles Young. What the fuck? <laughs> what the fuck? Where's the light? How's the party going? I love it. This wouldn't happen at Golden Century, would it, Charles? It would never happen in Golden Century. You know why? There's no time. Charles, I've, uh, Charles, I've long been a fan. Of, I've long been a fan of the Golden Century menu. But See how it? come the wine list is so shit? <laughs> because you got a fucking no idea about fucking wine. <laughs> do you think that the person that put the wine list together all those years ago I didn't just got do it wrong? It decades and decades ago. It started off beautifully. How come they don't put any good wines on? You got no idea about good wines. Back to square one. So how can you be at Rootstock if you don't like any of the wines here? One big thing, Rootstock bar is better than Golden Century wines. Is Singtao the best wine on the list? No, Mao Thai is. Mao Thai is the best There's someone on the table telling us to be civilized. This is, I think we've joined a cult. I think it's Mike Baird. This is very much like Byron. You know what's civilized? Giving people wine. Yeah. There's so much passive aggressive going on right now. I just don't even know Fuck what to you. do. <laughs> Alright, Mike, I think now's as good a time as any to sign off. Um, you've been listening to The Mitchin. Uh, coming to you every week from Sydney. A food podcast like no other. Hosted by me, Andrew Levins, and sometimes Mitch Orr, and sometimes Mike Eggett. And, and my empty wine glass. That's an empty wine glass you're hissing around. Our, our brand new co-host, an empty wine glass. Thank, thank you, listeners. We're sorry we were drunk again. <laughs> Never apologize. I promise next time we'll be naked as well. Uh, at the moment, we can't see each other, so I assume I'm still talking with Mike Eggett. <laughs> uh, you can find us online, facebook.com slash themitchin. Send us an email, themitchinpodcast at gmail.com. We're being told, we're being told to shut up. Okay, everybody needs to shut up, and uh, everybody, I'll see you next week for another episode of the Mitchin. This is very weird. Maybe I should keep recording. Maybe I should stop. It's the Mitchin podcast. Just, just chill out for five minutes. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Sergeant. Sorry. I'm so sorry. Sorry. We thought it was a party. Sorry. No, well, we just need to get in.
Well, quite specific though, that it was me. Quite specific that it was me. Yeah, I Oh, really? I'm so sorry. Yeah. He was excited. No, he's sorry. I'm not you really. have to accept his apology. Is it too late now to say something? Everybody sorry? else does. <laughs> That's a good party. <laughs> this is the worst thing ever. Trust Giorgio to not know how to throw an after party. You're like, the security guys don't leave until the customers do. It's like, yeah, good party, bro. It's like, once everybody leaves, we can have fun. Hey, Mike, where can we find you online? At Pinbone on Instagram? Oh, uh, yeah, but we're just doing stuff about Asian food, and it's pretty ordinary, so maybe just stick to, like, Three Blue Ducks. Rosemary? Yeah, you can follow Darren at Three Blue Ducks on Instagram, or follow me at Levdog, L-E-V-D-A-W-G. Follow Levdog, he's saving Indian restaurants in Parramatta, left, right, and center. Persian, motherfucker, Persian restaurants. Do an Indian restaurant. Stop just okay. speaking to Persian. There's no Indian restaurants in Parramatta. They're all in Harris Park. Can we, like, say you're saving restaurants left, right, and food center? <laughs> okay. Left, right, and Woolworths food. I hate Woolworths. Yeah. Oh, we don't say Woolworths. Cut. Woolworths is like something from Perth. It's horrible. See you later, guys. <laughs> Bye. Bye, Perth. It's the Mitchin Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.